Happy New Year and welcome to another episode of Yesterday's Capers. I'm still Abdullah Molim and every week I will still be bringing you the very best shows from the past that the world has to offer. Now today we're going to do things a little bit differently and we'll take a look back on the duo that defined and shaped cartoons for millions and millions of children throughout the world for well over 50 years. We profile William Hanna and Joseph Barbera, more commonly known as Hanna and Barbera. We'll talk about how they first met and how they came about to creating some of the biggest and best cartoons you would ever have watched in your entire life. And I bet you there's a chance that you, the listener, love at least two shows that came from this duo. And producer Paul and I will give you our top five Hanra and Barbera shows as well as our top five characters. And without further ado, let's get started. And back with me again for 2020, it's producer Paul. Hey man, how's it going? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Happy New Year. I feel like I'm on the brink of like a massive sickness. I think, yeah, I think I'm going to stay away from you a little bit. I don't, <laughs> I've managed to, there's been a lot going around this winter and I've managed to stay away from it all, but... No, but I've, I was a little bit ill before and now it seems like it's come back. With a vengeance. Something like that, yeah. So I've... Uh, I've downed uh, some Robitussin, so I reckon that should uh, hold me up for about a few hours. So uh, <laughs> we'll try and make this a short and sweet <laughs> podcast. So I always say that and then two, two hours, hours later, later and me in post going, what the <laughs> hell are we talking about? Why is it so long? But uh, yeah, we, like I said, we're going to do things a little bit differently just so that I can ease back into this whole podcast thing because it's been, it's been a minute. So yeah got to try and ease our way back in and what better way to do it than to talk about two people who created thousands upon thousands of cartoons that i loved watching as a kid you probably loved watching as a kid and yeah hannah and barbera i had a really good idea for this thing i was like I'm going to watch one of every cartoon that they ever made. <laughs> I didn't get there. Of course you didn't. <laughs> where, where would you even start? Well, firstly, it's really hard to find them on, on the internet, a lot of them. Is it? Um, like, I think, do you know the, like, the little sketchy ones? Right, Just right. kind of little sketches, and it's, it's, it's old film and stuff like that. You can still you can see the film flick and stuff like that. It's quite, yeah. it's quite cool, but um, a lot of them are quite difficult to find. Um, there's a lot of intros and outros and mm-hmm. credit scenes and theme scenes, but hardly any of the, well, not hardly any, but there's like quite a few where the, the actual cartoon in the middle is missing. I also had an idea of a similar vein that I wanted to read out Every cartoon that Hannah and Barbera did. And I was trying to practice it on my way here. And I I ran out of breath by the 60s. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's... And you've still it's, got it's all the just, way till now. It's too much. Yeah, I mean... Uh, well, they're dead, so... Yeah, but what I mean is like the, the cartoons are still like... Oh, I don't think they show them anymore. You've got like Dexter's Laboratory, Cow and Chicken and stuff like that. Well, yeah, that's... The newest stuff. I don't think they show that anymore, do they? It's hard to find anywhere. 
I found it on YouTube. Or well, yeah, most of them will pretty much would be on YouTube. Yeah, and I think some of them, as you were saying, Dexter's Lab, Cow and Chicken, they're all I think um, that was like in collaboration. So I don't think they actually created them per se. I just think that they sort of adapted it and. Okay, well I've got um, those on my list. Should I take them the... off? Well, no, you sh- no, you shouldn't. It's still technically Hannah and Barbera, but when did they die? Um, William Hannah died of esophageal cancer in 2001 and Joseph Barbera died of natural causes in 2006. Surely everything's a natural cause. Well, maybe old age or it was just one of those where he quite literally passed away. Just it was it was his time to go. So talking about William Hannah and Joseph Barbera, just quickly. So William Hannah was born in New Mexico in 1910. And he first joined the Harmon and Ising Animation Studio in 1930. And that is where he steadily gained skill and prominence working on cartoons such as Captain and the Kids. And Joseph Barbera was born in Manhattan, New York, in the Little Italy area to Italian immigrants. And he joined Van Buren Studios in 1927 and then while working in California for MGM, that is where he met William Hanna. And the very, very first project that they kind of did for, I think, MGM was uh, Puss Gets the Boot, which uh, involved uh, two characters by the name of uh, Tom and Jerry. And at the time, it was crazy because Fred Quimby didn't really want to develop it. And because Puss Gets the Boot got rave reviews from so many people, I think Hannah and Barbera are like, let's do something with this. This is a concept that this is that can really, really work. And I think they just kind of went off and they further developed and further created Tom and Jerry without Fred Quimby. And hey, presto, they came up with, yeah, Tom and Jerry, which was like... Arguably one of the most famous cartoons ever. All time, yeah. And so many awards that they'd won. And um, the the yeah the interesting thing about um, Tom and Jerry as well was, um, I think uh, William Hanna had said at the time was, we knew we needed two characters. We thought we needed conflict and chase and action. And a cat after a mouse seemed like a good basic thought. So it was, it's fairly straightforward. Cat hates mouse. Cat wants to get mouse, but the mouse is shrewd and clever and gets better of the cat. And I think as well, part of it was um, that when they were winning all the awards, it was obviously under the umbrella of MGM and Fred Quimby. And I think Hannah Barbera were kind of like, hey, we we did this, you know, where's, where's, where's love? Like, where's the love kind of thing? And instead that MGM as well were kind of like, you know what, instead of making new stuff all the time, which is a waste of money, they just thought, you know what, we're just going to re-release old cartoons. And that was kind of sort of the the stepping stones and the foundations of Hannah and Barbera just thinking, you know what, maybe we should try and branch out. Maybe we should try and do this on, uh, on our own. And I think... Um, what kind of made them to such a good 
duo was uh, Barbera, was a, a skilled gag writer and sketch artist, whereas Hannah had the gift for timing, story construction, and getting the very best artists, whether it's doing a really catchy theme song, whether it's doing really cool voices. Because obviously, as we know, Hannah Barbera, it's got all the catchphrases, yabba dabba do, and you got Top Cat and... All, all that good stuff, you know, Scooby Dooby Doo, and all, all of that. So I think that's where they thought, you know what? Maybe we can um, try and uh, go, go at it alone. And uh, I like this. Uh, they did a coin toss to determine who would have precedence in the naming of a new company. So uh, William Hanna won the toss, which is why they, I think, ended up calling it. First, it was HB Enterprises, and then they changed it to Hannah and Barbera or Hannah Barbera Productions. So that's how. Uh, do you do you know what he called Heads or Tails? That'd be an interesting fact. Well, I don't know because obviously he won a coin toss, but what did he call Heads or Tails? Tails, I think. Do you reckon? I'm tails always. Never fails. I'm always a heads guy. Tails Every never time. fails. It always fails. I'm tails <laughs> is undefeated. It's the, it's it's undefeated. And so in 1957, the first offering from the new company was the Rough and Ready Show, which I have never heard of in my entire life. I watched it. Oh, did you? Yeah. It's about, I think... I know it's uh, the friendship between a dog and a cat. Yeah. So it's one of those dynamics. I think that was another interesting thing about Hannah and Barbera. Most of their programs was always uh, a friendship, a duo. Whether it's Fred and Barney, whether it's Rough and Ready, whether it's TC and Officer Dibble. But yeah, like there's always a a to and fro, a back and forth between two characters. I think that was the sort of foundation on most of their successful shows: Fred and Barney, Scooby and Shaggy, Dastardly and Muttley. So it's you can you can go on and on and on with this Yo- Yogi Bear and Boo Boo. Yeah. So it's you go on and go on, and it's. You think of all of these uh, incredible duos and incredible tandems that they had and they really made the show and it gave the show so much life and character and, 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 and personality, which was, uh, which was pretty awesome. And uh, after the success of, of the Rough and Ready show, they were allowed to go ahead and make the Huckleberry Hound show and the Yogi Bear show. And I think Huckleberry Hound won an Emmy, I think. Yeah, it was one of the first sort of animated series to win, uh, to win an Emmy. So that was, uh, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, so yeah, it was, it was the first sort of animated series of one. And from there, they kind of realized that they did a survey that most of the viewers of Huckleberry Hound were adults. And so they thought oh this is interesting most of our uh, audience is, is as well as kids it's also adults and that was where they came up with probably their most iconic the Flintstones which was a parody of the Honeymooners the show follows a typical Stone Age family with home appliances talking animals and it was probably the first animated primetime show that was an uh, unprecedented success and uh, Jackie Gleason from The Honeymooners actually considered suing Hanan Barbera for copyright infringement because it was he thought it was very close to The Honeymooners. It was obviously a parody. 
but he decided not to because he didn't want to be known as, and I quote, the man who yanked Fred Flintstone off the air. And as it ran for six seasons, it became the longest running animated television show in American primetime at the time, which now is... The Simpsons. The Simpsons. You'll have to edit that in before you said it. No. <laughs> you should have known it was The Simpsons. It was. It's quite a straightforward thing. When you think about it, but I don't, for some reason it just didn't come into my head. Even though I watch The Simpsons probably every single day. Well, yeah. 1989 and to this day, so... To this day. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I mean, I was... I, one of the first things I wrote about The Flintstones was it's just hella iconic. Like, it is, it and is. And it also reminds me of Ice Pops. Yes! Do you, do you remember the ones that have the Flintstones? The blue one. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was the dinosaur, wasn't it? And Barney was the Coca-Cola one. That was the two best ones. Yeah. Wilma was the <laughs> strawberry one. Fred was the yellow Fred one. Fred was orange. Orange, yeah. Yeah. Oh, the green one. I think Betty was the green one. Like the green, the Coca-Cola <laughs> one, and the blue ones were the nice ones. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Flintstone ice poles. Yeah. Oh, that used to be our thing. Man. But yeah, the Coca-Cola one, Barney Rubble. That was uh, <laughs> that was the one. Probably the best one. Yeah, probably the best one. And uh, as Hanna Barbera was growing into prominence in the sixties, they were getting a load, a load of hate from other artists because television programs, like or TV producers, they wanted to make television shows with lower budgets than anything in sort of theatrical animation. So. It meant that loads and loads of animation studios at the time went out of business in the 1950s and the 60s. And a lot, a lot of people were put out of business. And partly the reason of that was because Hanna-Barbera developed and they uh, were key in uh, limited animation, which allowed it to be cost effective. It allowed, but it might have been less quality because I think the traditional is that they used to draw each frame by hand whereas in limited animation you just you don't have to redraw entire frames you could just still use some of the same pictures and images but like in different styles and techniques and that was seen to be a really cost effective spending spending less money and I think limited animation i think when i think of it now i think south park is one of the best oh, examples really? of limited animation i think the simpsons is another example where it's just like yeah instead of spending hundreds and thousands of pounds getting all these animators and sketch drawers and people who are going to like do things frame by frame this was the cost effective way of doing it and Hanna barbera i think even from the get-go that was their deal that we're going to do limited animation and because i think it was a case of barbera saying that their choice was to adapt to television budgets or change careers yeah yeah because i don't think people are gonna like take a chance on putting out a lot of cash on a cartoon that may be a hit maybe maybe it won't be a hit well, and you can, uh, you can see that with like half of their half the cartoon list is like not a hit right and then you True, got, and yeah. then you got some that are like obviously some that are just like. I think the, in the, the most midst iconic. of all the hits and all of the successes there are, 
There's a lot programs of programs that you just think, ah, maybe we should never <laughs> ever talk about this ever again in history. <laughs> And uh, in 1967, Hanna-Barbera was sold to Taft Broadcasting for a whopping $25 million. But they actually stayed on as heads of the company until 1991. So uh, even then, they were still out there creating all sorts of programming, creating all sorts of shows and, 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 and them all being um, an unprecedented uh, success. And then in 1969, we had Scooby Dooby Doo, which is probably, again, one of the more iconic cartoons and more iconic, iconic characters of all time. It's often referred to as the General Motors of animation. So, again, it was a, a blended comedy action and elements from I Love a Mystery and The Many Loves of. Dobby Gills, so basically following around a bunch of teenage kids, solving a mystery, and in the end, catching the bad guy who's often a part of the story. So that was uh, Scooby Dooby Doo. And then obviously, other programs in the 1960s. <coughs> Let me try and read some of these out. Obviously, yeah, Top Cat in 1961. The Jetsons, which was a, a space-themed show, which I never really got into, actually. I never... I watched, I I watched them today, um, just to try and get up on somebody. Um, uh, let me just quickly... I know you're going to go through this, but... That's all right. Let me just quickly wrote, read you my notes. What, on the Jetsons? On the Jetsons. Where's the Jetsons? A stupid but funny and a little bit sexist theme tune. Um, George gets a ticket and gets pulled over by a magnet on a police bike. That was quite. I thought that was quite a clever thing. If a police <laughs> if a police car had a magnet on the front of it. <laughs> um, and everyone is so lazy. That's what I wrote about the Jetsons. Interesting. I. It's probably one of the most famous cartoons that I have zero or no idea about. Little or no idea. I think I'd seen it before. Um, I think as an adult, you watch it with slightly uh, more realistic yeah. head on your shoulders, you know? This episode will be interesting when we get around to uh, doing the Jetsons, which uh, I'm sure I'm sure we will. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, want, I want to actually sit down and watch a few episodes of this. Also, you had the Ataman and Secret Squirrel Show. Which I had heard of. I love that. I love Secret it so Squirrel much. Is great. Um, I don't know Ataman. I think Ataman. I've heard of it, but I don't think I'd seen it. Some uh, of the other characters of that show include Precious Pup, the Hillbilly Bears, and Squidly Diddly. Which and yes, Squidly Diddly, of course. But yeah, Secret Squirrel was uh, was kind of my joint. Do you know? I I I, I was watching some Squidly Diddly, and not Squidly Diddly. Um, Secret Squirrel. And I noticed that his Secret Squirrel's voice, I'm not sure about all of the episodes, but certainly the first episode is the same as Sylvester from Sylvester and Tweety. Same guy that voiced him. Did you look up who voiced it? Yeah, I had to because it was driving me crazy. I was like, this sounds like And him. it wasn't, was it? It was, yeah. Same person? Same person. Wow. At least in the first episode. I didn't watch anymore, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the first adaptation that they kind of took on under their wing was Sinbad Jr. and his magic belt. Other adaptations include Laurel and Hardy, 
Frankenstein Jr. and the Impossibles. The um, I think they did Arabian Nights or their version. They did Samson and Goliath. They did one on Gulliver's Travels as well. Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, so these are all Huck Finn as well. And then, of course, in the end of the 1960s, they did probably and one of the best ones. The wacky Races! Woo! Amazing. Loved the Wacky Races. And they did the uh, the Perils of Penelope Pitstop, which was a, a spin-off of uh, Wacky Races. So it's just basically Penelope Pitstop trying to get away from a creepy guy who's all following her around, which is essentially what that show was and obviously yeah Darcy and Muttley had their own shows in their flying machines stop the pigeon that was incredible what is that pigeon is it a carrier pigeon from like is it a war time I don't thing? know why he's after that pigeon I'd never really got it no I mean the, the only thing I could like I was thinking about he's on the phone to the general right he's like oh general what's going on this and that and the other and a pigeon is Yankee Doodle Pigeon so I'm guessing that maybe he's supposed to be some fighting for some foreign army and that's the American army trying to intercept a carrier pigeon. I mean, I think that makes a lot, a lot of sense. But again, once we get around to doing this, maybe we'll uh, find the answers. And obviously, yeah, you had uh, Wingdings who I think he's like, <laughs> with, the, with the weird neck going, oh, I think the pigeons is going away. That's oh. He's a long neck and just like... Is that the one who makes the sound effects? Yeah. His head goes up and down and... Yeah, it's not Wingdings. I'm sure that's Wingdings. I don't know. I don't have no idea. I'm sure. I'm sure it is. But yeah, like I said, the 60s was like the, uh, probably the golden age of Hanna-Barbera. And that was when they probably had their biggest success. Once we go into the 1970s, you had uh, various creations of Scooby-Doo and some of the stuff he does, including some new characters such as... Um, Scrappy-Doo. Scrappy-Doo and Scooby-Dum. That's who I was. Scooby Dumb, is that the white one? Yeah. He's like the white ghost dog looking thing. So that was um the nineteen seventies. Obviously they did a an animation based on the Harlem Globetrotters, which was uh, pretty cool. I would be able to whistle, but I'm sick, so uh I'm sure you'll uh, <laughs> give me the benefit of the doubt. Obviously the Pebbles and Bam Bam show. Josie and the Pussycats. Josie and the Pussycats. Yes. No. Woo. I was Great cartoon. I was glad that I didn't have to watch that one. And I then, of course, it. you had Josie in outer space. <laughs> Guitars and fancy clothes. Mars bars, Milky Way, where they end up, we don't know. Do, 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 do. Josie and the Pussycats in outer space. I don't know how you remember all that. I don't know. I'm not, I'm I'm just making it up as I go along myself. So uh, maybe yeah, the Robitussin is kicking in, and I'm uh, a little bit uh, delirious. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. Help! It's the Hair Bear Bunch. Oh, that's incredible! They had an invisible bike. I wasn't crazy about the Hair Bear Bunch. It was quite funny. It was okay. Flintstones Comedy Hour again. That was um, some of the things again. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yogi's Gang. Obviously. Yogi Bear was another one of the big ones that came out in the uh, the in the sixties. Hey, boo boo, <laughs> we gotta get out for the park ranger come gets us. Hey, oh, well, Yogi Bear's great, isn't he? He's great. Uh, Hong Kong Fooey, 
Loved Hong Kong Fruit. Ooh, that is that is that is a, an absolute cracker. That isn't it? Um, uh, like I said, I'm I'm not I'm not reading this all out. I'm just not. All right, like there's too many. There is, yeah, obviously the Scooby All Star Laugh Olympics. So you had Scooby Doo Show, Scooby Doo Where Are You, Laugh Olympics, Captain K Man and the Teen Angels, the Blue Falcon, and Dino Mutt. That was uh, another. Uh, interesting show and um the 80s which kind of saw the the decline if you like it was where they weren't necessarily um getting as much of the uh, attention that they were getting they weren't really um it kind of felt like they were running out of steam almost but still they had a uh, a big success with um with the smurfs which i think they uh, had um sort of taken up on their wing Obviously adapted from the comic by Pierre Colliford or Peo. I think it ran longer than Scooby, not Scooby Doo Flintstones. So it was pro- it was a really, 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 really big success of of theirs. Obviously, the Snorks as well was another one that they had adapted, which uh, we spoke about. The Quickie Koala Show. I really like the Quickie Koala Show. Quickie koala show. It kind of, think now you, you got him, it. but then you don't. It's just basically a koala bear that's just basically always trying to get away. It's the quickie koala. He's a very difficult to follow. First you think you got him, but then you don't. I think that's, yeah, the quickie koala show. And obviously they had um, the Bungle Brothers, Crazy Claws, and the Dirty Dog. <laughs> but yeah, that was, um, yeah, that's an incredibly slept on uh, Hannah and Barbera show, that. Also, you had Yogi's Treasure Hunt. So this was kind of like uh, characters of Hannah and Barbera, and they're all basically searching for treasure. You got Top Cat, who's basically the guy who's telling them the clues and whatnot. And it included characters from the Huckleberry Hound show, the Quick Draw McGraw show, the Yogi Bear show, Top Cat, Wacky Races, the Rough and Ready show, the Peter Potamus show, the Adam Ant Secret Squirrel all basically trying to hunt off and try and get the gold, which was, um, yeah, it was a, a, a pretty, a pretty fun, um, show. And then you had the fantastic world of Hannah and Barbera, which was a, a live action animated syndicated programming block, which would, um, just show a whole bunch of, um, Hannah and Barbera shows, whether it was old, whether it was new, obviously in 86, they tried to, uh, flog Johnny quest. Because obviously it didn't quite work out back in uh, 1964, so they thought let's uh, let's try and give it a go. And then in the 90s, I think you mentioned Bill and Ted, didn't you? No. They did an adaptation of uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. Obviously, Tom and Jerry Kids. It's a Tom and Jerry Kids. That was a uh, uh, the Tom and Jerry Kids something something. Yeah. yeah Spike and Tyke, yeah, that was a that was a really fun uh, cartoon, and then obviously some of the other stuff that they kind of took on, as you maybe mentioned, was uh, Johnny Bravo, Dexter's Laboratory, obviously the weird, the real adventures of Johnny Quest, which had the incredible tub thumping theme song that was just so epic. Ugh. Maybe I'll uh, try and play it again. 
No, I'm not too fast if you can't. <laughs> Obviously, cow and chicken. Cow. Chicken. Oh, that's great. Obviously, again, yeah, Powerpuff Girls as well. Yeah. Which, um, yeah, I, I, I ended up liking. So, yeah, um, big up to uh, the Powerpuff Girls. I, uh, I thought they were... Um, it was a good cartoon, actually, in the end. No, it was rubbish. Bam, bam, ba da da ba bam, bam, ba da da ba ba What are you talking about? Powerpuff Girls was great. Didn't we decide in the end it was great? No, you decided it was great. I decided um, Johnny Bravo was great. <laughs> and then I think we had a row. We didn't record for two weeks and then... Is that what happened? Pretty sure that's You could probably tell me anything at this point <laughs> and I will believe you because I, I don't... I don't know anything, anything right now. So I'm just all like, ah. but um, yeah, I'm uh, doing this podcast for the love of the game. And I uh, want to get it out there for, for you guys. So, um, right. And so other things worth mentioning was um, the interesting thing that I read about Hannah and Barbera was uh, outside of work. They never really hung out. They had, two completely different social circles. So uh, ha- William Hanna's circle of friends was primarily other animators, whereas uh, Joseph Barbera would socialise with Hollywood celebrities. Jaja Gabor was uh, a frequent visitor to uh, his house. I don't know who that is. I thought you were going to say Jaja Binks. <laughs> I swear she was in Fresh Prince. Please, no pictures. You know, the old white lady. She's going around the house going, please, no pictures. I I swear that's her. How do you spell her name? Zaza Gabor. Z-S-A-Z-S-A Gabor. Z-S-A. Zaza. I'm sure he is. Straight away. I don't know. When did she die? Uh, By the look of this, 1901. <laughs> um... 19, no, sorry, 2016. 2016? Yeah. How long did she live then? Uh, 101 years, but no, not, yeah, 101 years? No, Ooh, 99 years. 99, 99 years. I mean, 99 years ain't nothing to frown about either. So she was born in 6th of Feb 1917, and she died 18 December 2016. So it's nearly 100 years, very nearly. Woo-wee. But no, yeah, um... I think, because, um, yeah, like I said, like they, um, they, they rarely hung out. They rarely spoke outside of work because um, Hannah was interested in the outdoors. Barbera liked beaches, good food and drink. But because they worked so well together, they never really had a bad thing to say about each other. Like Barbera said, we understood each other perfectly and each of us had deep respect for the other's work. And... Hannah had said that Barbera could capture mood and expression in a quick sketch better than anyone I've ever known. So like they, obviously, yeah, they, they, they were close. They were mates. But when it came to like outside and socializing, they, they didn't, which I found really interesting. That is quite interesting considering they had like phenomenal success. Yeah. Um, you would expect that, um, you know, when, well, you know, when you you got your workmates and stuff like that, right? Yeah, you're working, yeah, yeah. but you kind of, you're not, you haven't got all the money in the world, so you're, you're not, you're not like, 
you know, out with the celebrities. It might be a and... case where if they did hang out with each other outside of work, maybe there would be a a chance that they don't necessarily like each other's company or they don't like each other's personality. Because, yeah, like I said, there is people who you kind of work with and then you've got people who you hang out with and, you you know, that's your sort of circle of friends. Yeah. Whereas maybe your work friends might not necessarily fall into that category. Well, so. I think like with, with your workmates and stuff like that, you've always got like a, um, you've got like some, some references that you'd always kind of like with banter and stuff that you, you would never be able to, someone on the outside would never be able to um, kind of latch onto that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. If I'm at work, I'll be talking about something geeky about cameras or lenses or lights or things. Or things that happen during the work. And if you're talking to someone about outside of work, they're not necessarily going to get references or find it that interesting. <laughs> but no, yeah, they, um, I think maybe it was for the best that they would always um, sort of stay out of each other's sort of personal lives. And, you know, when it came down to business, when it came down to coming up with a hit, they just smashed uh, it. A, 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 a banger that they would, yeah, they would more often than not in the midst of some of the programs that might not be as successful or as big, they would have some that would just, just take over the world really like Scooby-Doo or the Flintstones or, or Top Cat or, or even Yogi Bear. Like these are like people just genuinely doesn't matter where you are in the world that like you can watch it and just, just fall in love with it and just think this is the, the best thing ever. And I think with them too, it was just that in a way that they were both risk takers in the sense that they really went above and beyond to realize and 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 really bring about the value of of television. You can make things because obviously maybe back then it was all oh we're gonna go with the pictures we're gonna go with the movies that's where the money is that's where all the best stuff is whereas they were like you know what we can bring entertainment into millions and millions of people's homes and we can really shape and define the culture and really build a a following a fan base of kids for like many and many and many generations i I just wonder right if because obviously what they did to branch out on their own and to choose a path where they're creating the, the cartoons and they're creating all the characters and things like that. It's quite a brave thing, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's quite like a, to leave MGM, which is like a huge conglomerate, mm. you know, to then go out on to go out alone, right? I know they didn't really have much of a choice about going out alone, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, I think they were all kind of fired, really. <laughs> yeah. But, but what I mean is, do you think that when you're in that mindset and you're scared and you're kind of like how I'm going to pay the bills like I've got to make I've got to create this thing and uh, this is kind of the only thing I'm good at do you think that at that point they realised how enormous they would be because you can't really watch yeah a cartoon you know TV cartoon um, string without either watching something by Hannah Barbera or something heavily influenced by it. Yeah. I think as well that they 
they acquiesced to TV producers' demands. Because yeah. it was like, they would say, oh, we have an idea. This could work. The TV people say, all right, we're only going to give you X, Y, and Z. We're not going to give you big budget, big money. Yeah. This is what you've got. Make do and mend. And I think they were brilliant at doing that at, with the whole limited animation and managing to create stories, managing to create characters and creating incredibly successful shows. And obviously TV producers are always going to go for the ones that where there's less money. Yeah. They're not going to go for the ones that is top dollar and spending incredible amounts of money because um obviously yeah budget is tight we can't pay everybody we can't get everything on on tv and i think what they were brilliant at doing was they were good at adapting to the moment they were good at adapting and making these different shows using at the time limited animation was innovation it wasn't the the thing that people use, whereas Han and Barbera were like, we will do this. You don't have to pay us as much as you may have to for the traditional animation. And yeah, that's why so many studios and places got, they just ran out because they had emptied the tank on what they know, whereas Han and Barbera were willing to branch out and say, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to develop it and we're going to come up with these pretty cool characters. And I think what helped as well is that they were willing to take on other other things as well. So doing adaptations of other stories, whether it be Huckleberry Finn or Sinbad or even Josie and the Pussycats, they were willing to say, look, okay, fine, we'll, we'll do it on our own branch and we'll Hanra and Barbera it up. So we'll have a, a giggling cat in Josie and the Pussycats. We'll have that own little style to it. We'll have the limited animation. We'll have the whole, you know, the music and a little bit of the live action stuff. So like things happening and even like with some of the songs as well. So it's just adding them on as well. So I think that's what they did. And that's why they survived and thrived for as long as they did. Yeah, I mean, you can always tell a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. Well, I think so. Very quickly, you can tell. I can. Well, apart from the, you know, the Iden at the end of the Hanna-Barbera show with the star going. Yeah, and, that, and the Hanna-Barbera intro card. Yeah, it? so that's all, you know, the, the, the telltale star. But also like with with characters, with just how they are. With like the corny music in the background. Do you know one thing I noticed about Hanna Barbera, which is a bit of a weird thing to notice, but I noticed on Wacky Races and again on a couple of other cartoons. So, if you're watching a racing thing, right? It's, yeah. I'm just talking about um, modern continuity techniques that are used in filmmaking, right? Yeah. Uh, and TV. So, when you're for me, when I'm thinking someone goes from start to finish. Right, I'm even doing it with my hands now. Yeah, they go from left to right. Mm -hmm. Right, that's like yeah. pretty standard. Right, wacky races they race from right to left. They're always traveling screen left, and it's like they they don't travel screen right. 
Is so, that what it's meant to be like? Always. In so no, what? Well, that's what I'm saying. So normally, like in a in a normal situation, you'd expect them to go from start to finish, right? Which would be, generally speaking, from left to right. I'll have to watch <laughs> wacky races to. Um, but I do know. I I do. I don't know. Like I'm watching a race. I don't. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> but so, so if you're, I think it's something that you notice now, isn't it? Yeah. Now that this is your. Like I think it's just something that when you kind of know about techniques and filmmaking yeah. techniques and stuff like that they kind of went against the grain and I'm not sure why they did that but maybe when we do wacky races we'll find that out I think it was again just trying different techniques just trying the whole limited animation and yeah. really developing it and really putting it on on the big screen almost and I think wacky races ended up being one of their most successful show well, in my opinion it's one of their best I think definitely. I think yeah I agree completely I, it's fantastic. I just loved watching it. And I would always root for Penelope Pitstop. I was always dastardly and Muttley every time. <laughs> and they tried so hard to win, man. No, they didn't. If they'd have tried half as hard with just racing as they did with like finding out elaborate ways to cheat. <laughs> do you know one of my favourite things in cartoons ever is, do you know when they go through a picture? <sighs> And then they come out of like, like I saw one uh, when uh, they took a shortcut and they went through a poster. Do you know like a yeah yeah a, yeah, a, yeah, a, yeah yeah yeah. That, when, I think I know that. Yeah. When they go when they do stuff like that, it's hilarious. And when I watch what a Roadrunner where I know it's not Hannah Barbera, but just quickly where they um, he drew a tunnel in a wall and he, and then the Roadrunner went through the tunnel. Yeah, and then he tried to run through the tunnel, and he he walked straight into it, like into the brick wall. Oh, that was great. That that gag <laughs> in cartoons is amazing. Yeah, something that a film critic Leonard Matlin had said about Han Barbera was that they, and I quote, held a record for producing consistently superior cartoons using the same characters year after year without a break or change in routine. And their characters are not only animated superstars but also a very beloved part of American pop culture. And they are often considered Walt Disney's only rivals when it comes to cartoon animation. Well, I, how long ago was that written? Because DreamWorks are pretty damn good. I mean, yeah, probably it was written ages ago. But if you're thinking at the time, yeah. particularly the 60s and 70s. And Isn't MGM owned by Disney now? I have no idea. Probably. I don't know. But yeah, it was obviously Disney would have the big feature-length movies and it would be ima- amazing, incredible and whatnot. And it was only in the 80s when they kind of took on doing TV series like DuckTales or yeah. Darkwing Duck, I believe. And um, Recess. Chippendale, Rescue Rangers. So that was when they they only decided to really do that then. But like back then it was either, if your animations... If it ain't Walt Disney or Hannah Barbera, then it ain't nothing. Yeah. So uh, that was the um, that was that, and also they had won seven Academy Awards, eight Emmy Awards. As I said, the 1960 Emmys for Huckleberry Hound Show, and obviously they got praised for their music. So in um, the Cat Concerto in Tom and Jerry, which is a classic Tom and Jerry episode. And Johan Maas, which for my money is the best Tom and Jerry episode, I think, in my opinion. Absolutely love Johan Maas. It was when he's living in Austria and basically he's really good at playing the piano. And every time he's playing the piano, Tom's trying to get him. 
and then they realize how good he is and so they make him play in the big opera hall and they realize that Jerry's only really good when Tom's trying to get him and they kind of realize that they work good well they together in that in that respect so that was yeah Johan Maus is for my money it's the best ever Tom and Jerry and uh, some of the others that they won they won glo- they won a golden globe for television achievement in 1960 they won the golden IKE award for pacific pioneers in broadcasting they won the pioneer award for broadcast music incorporated they won the NATPE Men of the Year Iris Award in 1988. They were given the Lifetime Achievement Award for the Licensing Industry Merchandisers Association. They also got a Governor's Award of the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences in 1988. And the Jackie Coogan Award for Outstanding Contribution to Youth Through Entertainment and youth in film as well in 1988. So that was quite a a winning year for uh, the duo. And they won the Frederick W. Ziv Award for Outstanding Achievement in Telecommunications in uh, the Conservatory of Music, University of Cincinnati. They were given the stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 1976. They obviously won several Annie Awards. They were inducted into the Television Hall of Fame in 1994 and the Academy of Television, Arts and Sciences and Warner Brothers Animation dedicated a wall sculpture at the uh, Television Academy's Hall of Fame Plaza in North Hollywood. Did they get a star each? I think they did, yeah. I mean, they both, yeah, they both, they both got a, they both got a, a star each and, uh, the cute thing was that Joseph Barbera made his acting debut in the live-action Flintstones features film. Really? Yeah. And well, with John uh, Goodman in it. I think so, the 93 version. Yeah. yeah. And then he published his autobiography, My Life in Tunes, in 1994. So I think it's time for us to uh, reveal our top five Hanna-Barbera shows, as well as our top five characters so uh do you want to go first with the characters oh characters first yeah, you gotta do it from five to one so the least favorite to the most favorite oh, the thing is i've struggled with an order uh all right okay so in order then f- the five is in the fifth one yeah, yeah, well, is coming in at number five dexter from dexter's laboratory was that a hannah barbera creation though uh, if you want, okay. If you want to go Hannah and Barbera creation, because what I did was I initially had Valerie from Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah, but because Josie and the Pussycats was a comic that Hannah Barbera adapted, I thought that it. Okay, so I'm going to replace. Yeah, I, re- I had to replace Valerie with a character. I, okay, I didn't know about the rules, so I've replaced him with Squidly Diddly then. Oh, okay. Um. Uh. Then four will be Tom, Tom and Jerry. Oh. Uh, third, Secret Squirrel. Ooh. Uh, then second, Benny from TC. And oh, hiya, TC. And then the top is TC. Oh. Okay, so uh, we both share our number ones. My number one is also Top Cat. Yeah. So we're rounding off my top five. Number five is Yogi Bear. 
Number four is Muttley. Number three, Barney Rubble. Number two is Penelope Pitstop. And also my number one is uh, the most effectual Top Cat. I mean, look. The indisputable leader of the gang. <laughs> I think the um, it's really hard to, to pick out just five characters. You know, have all of the Hanna Barbera cartoons. Yeah, to to round it off to honorable, five. Yeah, I mean, I think some honorable mentions has to be Tom and Jerry. Yeah. Um. Who else? Um. Choo Choo in Top Cat. Yeah. Hiya, TC. TC, we we got a we got a really really big problem. When when I was watching Top Cat reruns, I was like, uh, I couldn't help but think about um, when when you covered Top Cat. And was it the the very first yeah. first episode? Yeah, yeah, with Chris and oh, was, hey, hey, TC, I just think a chandelier fell off my head. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Um, what? Any other honourable mentions? Um, uh, listen, I I absolutely love Secret Squirrel and Squidly Dee. Yeah, Secret and stuff Squirrel like that. has to be an honourable mention. Um, uh, you know what? Scooby Doo, like, surely. Do you know what? Like, Shaggy. I. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I mean, we'll talk about this. After we do our, our top five shows, shall I go first this time? Yeah. All right then. Well, in at number five for me is the Flintstones. I think I have to change number four because um, I had Josie and the Pussycats. But yeah, in at number five for me was the Flintstones. Number four, I'm gonna say the Quickie Koala Show. I'm I'm going. I, Damn it, I'm going for it. Oh, quick, oh, I never saw it. The so. Quickie Koala Show is my number four. Actually, you know what? I'm going to swap that. So number for number five will be the Quickie Koala Show. Yeah. Number four will be the Flintstones. Number three is Wacky Races. Number two is Top Cat. And number one for me is Tom and Jerry. Fair enough. Cannot beat Tom and Jerry for me in terms of Hanna-Barbera creations. See, I, I do like Tom and Jerry... But I grew up with Sylvester and Tweety. So for me, like a little cat and predator prey thing. Yeah. Is it have to be Sylvester and Tweety? Um <laughs> Tom and Jerry comes in second for me from from that in that perspective. Um yeah. my top five are uh Hong Kong Fui. Ooh. Um Scooby Doo. Because yep. it's Scooby Doo and you I I've probably spent hours watching Scooby Doo just Trying to figure out who's the baddie. Um, Darcy Lee and Muttley and their flying machines. Like, yeah. <laughs> I love that show. <laughs> when he gets the medals and there's so much stuff to love about it. Uh, then Wacky Races. Uh, but I never, I used to hate Wacky Races when I was like uh, little. And really? Then, yeah. And then I think we first got Sky when it must have been like mid 90s somewhere. Um, and then this is we only had it for a very brief while because we moved house and we never took it with us. Yeah. But we had like we, we were to watch Wacky Race. I never used to like it, and then I think all of a sudden I just could not stop watching it. I loved it. Um, this time, so I watched a few this time and I loved it. Uh, and the the top has to be Top Cat for me. Hmm. Yeah, I think yeah, I think I was sort of mulling over Top Cat and uh, Tom and Jerry. Hey, listen, Tom and Jerry's like... Yeah. Honourable mention to uh, the Johnny Quest theme song from 1996. Yeah, but only the theme song because the actual show was rubbish. I don't care. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. If I could make a top six, I would just include Johnny... The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest theme song. You know some of these um, Hanna-Barbera shows that are really, really, really iconic? 
like I liked them, but I didn't love them. So I didn't love Scooby Doo. Yeah. I didn't love the Flintstones, even though I said Barney Rubble's one of my favorite characters. And I didn't love Yogi Bear either. Like I, 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 I liked Yogi Bear. I like him. I like hey, and chasing after the park ranger and just yeah. making a fool out of him. I liked all of that. It was very, very cute. But um, hmm. yeah, like these other shows that I've got on my list. So like, it's a shame that, you know, I've kind of made my own rule about Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah, I'm, and adaptations. I mean, so. Josie and the Pussycats was rubbish. So it was not rubbish. It was not rubbish at all. It, it's better than Scooby Doo. Oh, I don't know about that. I said what I said. <laughs> I'm that. I'm. I'm. Call me Mimi. It's or got the Mimi, same characters in it. I said what I said. <laughs> it is better than Scooby Doo. It was a, an upgrade. I would rather watch an episode of Josie and the Pussycats in outer space than watch Scooby Doo. Uh, I just, I don't I don't agree with that. I thought but I thought Josie Pussycats was cute. I thought it was a nice cute cartoon. It was one that they adapted really really well into a Hannah and Barbera model. I think I mean I would never know if I didn't know and I don't think it's a copy of Scooby Doo because the Josie and the Pussycat comics came out before Hannah and Barbera came up with Scooby Doo. So if anything Scooby Doo is copying Josie and the Pussycats. Uh, maybe and so, Hannah and Barbera but... were probably feeling really lazy and just thought, you know what? Let's make a non singing version of Josie and the Pussycats. And instead of having a band, we're going to have a, a stupid dog and a bunch of teenage kids running around the place. But it's the same teenage kids as the bloody Josie and the Pussycats. It's that, not the that's same. A, that's how you can tell that they've got these that line. No, we done been through this. We done said this. We done... What did you say it was called? The line animation thing? Oh, um, they've definitely used, limited animation. They're like, oh crap, where's that character going? Oh crap, give me that one from Scooby-Doo. Yeah, but I'm using it. Yeah, yeah, I'll oh, only, oh, yeah, give, I'll yeah, only give be a second. Bloke. Give the big bloke. I'll only be a second. <laughs> Copy. Oh, oh, oh. You're like, oh, hey, don't you, hey, 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 Joseph, don't you think he looks a bit like uh, Shaggy? Ah, what the hell, William? Colour his we'll hair put, in different colour. We'll just put glasses on him. We'll put glasses on this guy. And, he, and he's nothing like him. What about what about a pet? Um, Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll give them a dog that goes... <laughs> Obviously, in the Josie Pussycats, you've got Sebastian the cat. <laughs> That's another thing of Hannah and Barbera. The stupid pet. Whether it's Azriel in the Smurfs. Mutley. and Mutley. Sebastian... Scooby Doo, they're always like the main. I think there was a uh, a main animal character in Johnny Quest as well, wasn't there? The little dog. I don't know. I d- yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I, yeah, I, it was a. It was yeah, because they didn't they have the dog always barked when yeah, they were sneaking the annoying around. Little places. dog, yeah. So there was there was that. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be a good place to uh, bring it to an end. But um, we will probably at some point, whenever get around to doing some of these shows individually. So uh, rest assured, we will be talking about the Jetsons, the Flintstones, Scooby-Doo, Hong Kong Fooey, um, Wacky Races, Yogi Bear. We'll, 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 we'll get around to, um, we'll get around to uh, doing, doing, doing all of those. But yeah, this was a, uh, a fun episode and uh i hope you uh you guys enjoy it i hope you guys uh give it a listen let me know what you think 
we will probably do uh, more specials like these down the line as well. So uh, whether it's a, a single cartoon or whether it's a, a Hannah and Barbera type situation. So maybe we'll do a Walt Disney special. Maybe we'll do um, an anime special. So just, you know, looking at various sort of different topics and areas of uh, animation. And so uh, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled uh, head-to-heads and specials next week. So, uh, yeah, check it out. Yesterday's Capers, it's available wherever you get your podcast from. You can follow us on the socials on Instagram at yesterday's capers one Twitter. It's yesterday capers. And you can follow me on Instagram at Abdullah underscore Molim on Twitter. It's Abdullah Molim all one word. Yeah. So, uh, give us a listen, like, share, comment, all of that good stuff. And, uh, join us next week for another episode of yesterday's capers. <laughs>